0: Episode of Sharp Lessons presented by Stadium. We are Stadium's sports betting podcast. Ben Wittenstein, the professor, Nate Jacobson on the other side of the screen for me. Nate, how are you?
1: Pretty good. Excited to talk some NFL preseason along with some West yeah. Coast football because it's NFC West preview day and Pac-12 and we have a great guest coming up later in the show.
0: Yeah, we had stadium's own Michael Felder talking everything, helping us out with some uh, season win totals, giving us some insight into his newest podcast that's coming out, Tape Don't Lie. So that was a lot of fun. So we'll have him out uh, towards the end of the episode. We'll also release it by itself if, uh, understandably, you don't want to listen to us and just listen to uh, Felder talk. That would make a lot of sense. But, Nate, we do have NFL preseason, and we had the Hall of Fame game last week. And uh, maybe we should make this a segment where we talk about, you know, patting ourselves on the back, give a give a little, uh, little sounder for that. But I did say the under, which was ridiculous at the time. I can't believe I'm betting on the uh, NFL hall of fame game, but it actually hit surprisingly 16 to three. It hit the un- well under 33. Yeah.
1: It was a pretty strong trend recently. The uh, hall of fame game being low scoring, whether it's just the offense is not being ready. Maybe it's the field in Canton, Ohio, Maybe they're growing out the grass in early August, so it's a little slower, not a fast track for the for the players. But great call there. It closed 31.5, I believe. So you got the closing line value, and you got the rocking chair winner as we uh, kicked off NFL preseason. And I didn't watch too much of the game, at least closely, but it was nice to see live football on TV.
0: It really was. Even if it was just horrible, horrible football, it was. Uh, it was still nice to see it, and it it really feels like fall is is coming up. And I think you know we should talk a little bit about NFL preseason because we got some games tonight as we record. We have games Saturday we can talk about as well. Um, and I think we both have an NFL preseason game yet again on our best bet segment. So trying to go, uh, I'll try to go two and zero with NFL preseason, but it's. Uh, You know, people talk about how it's like only the degenerates or whoever bet on the NFL preseason. But, Nate, it's, you know, it's a good time to be betting NFL because not a lot of people do it. So you might get some pretty good numbers.
1: Yeah, I think one of my pet peeves when it comes to people, um, just regular sports fans on Twitter, is calling people degenerates because they bet NFL preseason. Because if you do your research (laughs) and you're reading, you're going to have some really strong edges if you if you do the work i mean if you're just blindly betting i mean if you're blindly betting any game then you're probably maybe not doing it right but you could really find some good edges in preseason because the nfl regular season all the information that's out there is accounted for in the line but you can't say the same about nfl preseason because the information might be stuff just from like a beat reporter after a head coach's press conference when he reveals the team's plans for the game. So you could definitely beat the market and get better edges. So something I'm going to look for betting NFL preseason is knowing the quarterback rotations for each team and, and betting on teams that have experienced or good third string uh, quarterbacks, because a lot of these games will be decided in the second half when a lot of players Uh, are on the field who are fighting for a roster spot also uh, i think this is going to go into our best bet uh kind of bucket but i like betting on the coaches of first-year teams who are playing their first home game or also coaches who might be on the hot seat or coaches in markets where you know media markets that there's a lot of pressure and they want to prove something to the fan base and no better way to do it than winning your first preseason game and kind of getting a little bit of heat off your back when it comes to the expectations going into this season. So there's a bunch of games on, yeah, bunch of games on Saturday. I know Ben, you like a game on Thursday, but definitely look at the first year head coaches and the first year head coaches this year, Eagles, Falcons, Lions, Jaguars, Jets, and Chargers. I believe I got all of that. A few of them are playing at home. A few of them are actually playing away games, but in their home stadium, as in the case of the Chargers and Jets. So i um, kind of looking at that as a way to bet NFL preseason, but don't listen to any of the, the people saying that uh, if you bet NFL preseason, you should seek serious help because there are uh, <laughs> pretty, I think, pretty strong edges in this game. Um, there could be, I mean, not every game for sure. Some games are, teams that have nothing to prove and you're you're would be guessing but i think there's been a number of opportunities that have come up this week and we've seen some pretty big line moves in in games specifically uh browns jaguars browns opens a three and a half point favorite in jacksonville urban myers debut and now the jaguars who have a pretty decent quarterback rotation with trevor lawrence gardner Minshew, uh cj bethard now they're a two-point favorite and then Uh, Another line move, Broncos-Vikings. The Vikings opened as a favorite at home. Now the Broncos are a home home dog, sorry, a a road favorite, the uh, Denver Broncos, that is. And a lot of that is because they're going to have a competitive quarterback battle between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. And if you've been reading about what's going on in Minnesota uh, with their quarterback room and Kirk Cousins and – not wanting to get vaccinated or unsure if he's going to get vaccinated. I think there might be a little bit of issues in Minnesota that could arise closer to the season. So they're a team that I definitely would want to fade.
0: Uh, You got to stop making sense with these NFL picks. Cause I, I I'm about to add two more to my best bets for preseason football, which is not good. That is not a it, good thing. Is it,
1: if it's the Browns and I'm Bron- sorry, if it's the Jaguars and Broncos, I would be a little cautious though. Cause the line has moved like four points from the open well and yes. in preseason with the game, so low scoring, like one is kind of an important number in preseason because a lot of times teams are going to go for two instead of kick the extra point to tie the game if it's late in the game, because they don't want to play uh, extra overtime in preseason. So uh, yeah. you can still bet it for fun, but you're not getting the best number. And, and a lot of these uh, situational handicaps have already been accounted for in the current yeah. market.
0: Well, as of right now, I'm seeing Jacksonville still at minus one at a sports book. Okay. So that might be a, a yeah. number I like. I, I, I do see little one and a half. Yeah, a little, little shopping around for NFL preseason football. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Uh, but we do want to highlight uh, divisions, right? We want to we want to look at some some divisions for the NFL, and let's look at uh, the NFC West. We looked at the NFC East with Dave Ross. If you want to go back and listen to that one, he had some pretty fun uh, and strong opinions on his Dallas Cowboys. But it's NFC West day, Nate. So we're going out west. Uh, get get in the mood for some California minds. We're looking at the 49ers. We have the finals. 49ers lead that division in terms of best odds at plus 180 to win that division but the rams are very close behind with their new quarterback matt stafford at plus 190 Uh, the seahawks plus 275 and the cardinals at plus 650 now is there just looking at division odds is there any team that stands out to you obviously the rams have the new quarterback situation 49ers we really don't know who's going to be starting for them trey lance has gotten really good reviews it seems like in in training camp um, but we're not 100% sure with them. And the Seahawks are always going to be the Seahawks, right? As long as they have Russell Wilson, they're, they're going to be uh, one of those crazy teams that, uh, what, what's that tweet that goes around that they just never play a normal game, which is very true um, about the Seattle Seahawks. So it could be a pretty packed division out West.
1: Yeah, I think it's a very fun division, at least just from a neutral fan perspective. I mean, all four teams kind of bring something. I don't think any of the four teams are going to be horrible. The the team with the lowest win total is the Arizona Cardinals, and they're at eight with juice on the over, and there's also some eight and a half of juice on the under. So they're basically projected to be a 500 team. And then you have two teams projected to win uh, 10 or 11 games in the 49ers and Rams, and then the Seahawks are right at 10. So I think it's going to be a really interesting division. Um, the 49ers kind of stick out to me as the team that might end up having the most upside because I thought going into this off season, they would be a prime positive regression candidate. They won 13 games in 2019 in Kyle Shanahan's third year. He finally has the healthy quarterback, finally has a schemes in place, has a great um, coaching staff with now Jets head coach, Robert Salah leading that defense and, and the pass rushers that they had at their disposal. And then last year, this injuries took a huge toll on them, whether it was the quarterback position, Nick Bosa early in the season. It was just a lot went wrong for the 49ers, and they only end up winning six games. So I thought maybe there'd be a chance to kind of buy low on the 49ers because I would expect their 2019 performance to be more likely than what happened in 2020 because of injuries. However, as we sit right now on August, was it August 11th, uh, yeah. August 12th, depending on when you're listening (laughs) to it, uh, exactly a month before uh, the season, the first Sunday of the season, basically. The, uh, The 49ers are just a slight division favorite, which is something I probably wouldn't have wanted if I wanted to bet into it, because now the market has kind of caught up to the idea that I think the 49ers will probably have a strong season. Uh, One thing that I think we even talked about early on when we were doing these podcasts when we were kind of glossing over some NFL stuff is their schedule is pretty favorable Uh, their 17th game is against the Cincinnati Bengals so every team from the NFC West plays a team from the AFC North which means the Rams Seahawks and Cardinals have to play the Browns Ravens and Steelers and the Bengals are by far at least projected to be the worst team in that division. So there's a lot of favorable things going the 49ers way. I think the big question now has to be who's going to play quarterback. Is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo or is it going to be Trey Lance, who they traded a lot for to go up from 12 to three in this year's draft, especially when they weren't just, they weren't going from 12 to three to get the best quarterback out there. They were getting the third pick pick, based on what the NFL teams thought. So uh, Lance, I know, has looked pretty good in training camp from the reports. Uh, Jimmy G maybe has struggled a bit. So curious to see when Trey Lance takes over uh, for the 49ers, because it does seem inevitable. And if you're looking at week one, I'd expect the 49ers to start off strong as they're a a seven-and-a-half-point road favorite against the Detroit Lions. So maybe that's the time to start Trey Lance right away against a pretty bad defense, even though it will be on the road. So we'll have to see what happens with the 49ers. But I think that's the team that I could see um, maybe outperforming their expectations the most. Um, I don't know what you think about – what do you think, Ben? Uh, I know a lot of people like the Seahawks. I'm not a huge Pete Carroll fan and his run-first mentality when you have Russell Wilson, so I, I hardly ever bet on the Seahawks. And it's kind of kind of uh, bit me a few times the last few years, kind of doubting Russell Wilson and this team because they always seem to find a way. Um, and then the Rams with Matthew Stafford uh, should be interesting, even though they uh, don't have much depth in general because they have a lot of money tied into a core of players. And then you lose defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. So I expect that defense to regress quite a bit.
0: Well, the Seahawks, I can't bet on them anymore quite frankly i was doing so well betting them in the first half of the season and then they had their bye week and just everything bad happened i don't i don't know what happened during that bye week and i think people smarter than me and better at journalism than me need to go and talk to the team because it is so stark the difference between their season before the bye week and their season after the bye week i mean russell wilson was the clear MVP candidate top number one before the bye week. And then after everything just went poorly for that team. So I don't know if they're going to carry that bad juju into this season, or if they're going to have the same thing where they play really well before the bye week and then just stink it up for the rest of the season. So I'm, I'm going to be hesitant on betting the Seahawks in anything this year, but I do really like the Rams. And I, I just, I, I wish that their division odds were over 20 to one um, and in four, two to one, I should say, one, but yeah. Unfortunately, it is not. Um, they're plus 190. So if they get to you know plus 200, plus 210, I would consider hitting them because I really like this Rams team with Matthew Stafford. I mean, Jared Goff, much like I felt like about Mitch Trubisky with the Bears, is they had they both have a coach that is capable of leading a tremendous offense, but they are stuck with this just terrible quarterback. They can't really do much. And It is very limited in the type of plays that he's able to do. Now you get Matt Stafford, who. You know, he's no Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but he's better than Jared Goff. He has a better arm, he has a smarter brain, and he's just a more seasoned quarterback. And and you put him with a team that knows how to play a good offensive scheming like that, and I think you've got a pretty good combination. So I really like I like their over ten and a half. I think they have a pretty decent schedule. They have a pretty tough start to the season, but you know, that middle of the schedule, they get the Giants and the Lions and Houston, and they play Tennessee at home and they play Jacksonville at home. I just think that this is a, a team that can get over ten and a half wins for sure. And I think it's a team that if we see some regression from the 49ers, they can't figure out their quarterback situation and you know this and that goes wrong for them. I really do like the Rams to be able to win this division, um, and to get over ten and a half wins.
1: Yeah, I I hear you with the Stafford stuff and the the McVay Stafford marriage does seem perfect. Um, not only does Stafford kind of have a new lease on life away from Detroit and with a lot of hope to win and is an offensive mastermind and kind of gets his quarterback that he really wanted. I just really worried about that defense who played very well last year. And now Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator went across town or actually yeah. in the same building. Now he's the head <laughs> coach of the chargers and this, they lost some guys in the secondary. I know they still have Aaron Donald and, and uh, Jalen Ramsey. They re-signed Leonard Floyd but I'm a little bit worried that even though the team might be better than it was last year in terms of at least offense and how quarterback's so important and the upgrade of Stafford, I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to replicate the same success because I'd expect the defense to take a little bit of a step back this season. You, uh, get, you fav- get
0: Matt Stafford, the broiest of, of quarterbacks in SoCal now out of Detroit, he's in his no, element it, with the surfer no, guys. It,
1: it makes sense. It's a cultural fit, I'm sure. Even though Stafford went to Georgia, so maybe yeah. the southeast would have been preferred. But I'm a little bit worried about the about the defense uh, for the Rams this year, just because they could be good, and it's just still going to take a step back to what they were last year.
0: Yeah, and then obviously you have the Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury, and yeah. I mean they're another one of those teams where. You just don't know. You don't know what type of team they're going to be putting out on the field this season, and they're the the least likely to the win the division, according to Vegas, at plus 650. Eight is their win total. Um, but again, it's like one of those things where you're like, I, I like, is Murray gonna be another? Sport or is he going to be a really good quarterback this season and kind of be like that Russell Wilson light or even Russell Wilson 2.0 type of quarterback that people are hoping he becomes? Is Kingsbury going to become a better coach? I, like you just, there's so many question marks around this Cardinals team right now that it's understandable to see them at the least likely to win the NFC West and to have their win total around eight.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm interested though. Week one, they're playing the Titans. They're three point road underdog. I think, you know, it's kind of easy to say, but we'll learn a lot about Arizona. And, uh, they picked up JJ yeah. J. Watt in the off season, which I mean, maybe he gets a few more good years, but I don't think it's a, a move that should impact the point spread. I remember when they signed JJ J. Watt, their like Super Bowl odds were cut from like 60 to one to like 40 to one or something. And I was like, that's, that shouldn't be the case for, uh, just a pass rusher. Um, especially yeah, one past his prime, his age. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really about the offense and if, uh, Kyler Murray can stay healthy for 17 games. I know at the end of the year he was yeah. battling an injury, and that kind of prevented them from making the playoffs as the seventh seed in the NFC. But as you said, Cliff Kingsbury, maybe he can be a better coach. I'm not a fan of him. He wasn't very good at Texas Tech, had a pretty horrible record against teams not named Kansas um, in the Big 12. I hate so- to hear that. You hate to hear that. (laughs) Uh, It was like a weird promotion, right? You get fired from your alma mater in college and then you uh, become the offensive coordinator at USC. And then three weeks later, you get nabbed by an NFL team after not being able to win in the Big 12. So, um, not a real believer in Arizona, but maybe at eight, uh, over eight in a 17 game season is a way to go if you do believe in Kyler Murray and think that he can kind of overcome some questionable coaching and. Another year with DeAndre Hopkins after they didn't have much time to work together last off-season.
0: Yeah, and they get AJ Green. I mean, this is the thing is, I'm always a little skeptical of teams that somewhat try to recreate old uh, yeah. teams with uh, older players. I mean, if this was 2015 and you said the Cardinals are getting AJ Green and JJ Watt, I, I would be <laughs> ecstatic. I mean, this would be a huge Super yeah. Bowl favorite. But it's 2021, so. You know, you don't know how AJ Green's going to fit in that offense if he's going to be healthy for for everything, or how JJ Watt's going to be doing it, you know, as he gets older. So, again, you talk about question marks, and I think San Francisco has decent question marks, and they're good question marks. With Arizona, it's kind of like, oh, I, I like this. This doesn't look good, type of question marks. You know, how good are these older players going to even play, type of thing? Yeah, definitely. All right, let's let's go to our interview with Michael Felder. Love talking to him. Talked a lot about uh, his love of college football and Tape Don't Lie podcast. So here's our interview with Michael Felder. All right. So we want to welcome on stadium's college football analyst uh, and also food connoisseur, honestly, Michael Felder to the podcast.
2: Felder, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. How are you guys?
0: Doing good. We're excited for college football to start, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I'm ready, man. Like I, this, it feels a lot less precarious than a season ago, although obviously we're still going to be battling the Delta variant, and we'll see how that works out. Although everybody said, listen, if your school doesn't have it under control, guess what? You're forfeiting that game. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) So we obviously people
0: are going to be talking about Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all all those top teams, and we'll get to those in a second. But is there a team that maybe people haven't asked you about a lot or people are kind of ignoring that you have a strong opinion on or think may do Sneaky well
2: throughout the season? Well, I think Oklahoma goes into that list of the top guys uh, with Ohio State and Bam and Clemson. I, I, I do think that the, the, the most interesting or intriguing teams for me that have an opportunity to kind of flirt with getting to the playoff are probably uh, Oregon and Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is a team that nobody ever likes to pick. Like, unless you're a Notre Dame fan, most people just hate Notre Dame. So, but it's interesting to see what they look like from a quarterback standpoint, losing Ian Book and how they fit that. And I think Notre Dame is, they are a kind of a microcosm of um what we're dealing with from a college football standpoint. Uh, they kind of are a representative of the whole, right? Like, we don't know what their quarterback situation is going to look like. We don't know how good they're going to be at quarterback, whether it's Jack Cohn or Drew Pine or who it's going to be. And I think for a lot of college football, we don't we don't know is probably the answer to a lot of things. And I know it's a bad answer to give on a radio show or a podcast or anything, but it's the reality because outside of a handful of schools, like like realistically, like like Nate Ben, like who's going to be the quarterback at Michigan this year?
0: That's a great question. <laughs> that's a that's a great question. Do you have? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it seems like it's weird too, because it seems like this season you have a lot of people returning and that's you know the storyline for a lot of teams is you have a lot of returners because of the COVID issue last year. But with that, you get so many question marks. It seems, it seems like you have a lot of returning, you have a lot of the same from last year, but even more question marks because of that.
2: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where one of the standard metrics, like I've been, I've been doing this since 2008, I guess. And, One of the standard metrics for a lot of people is like, oh, they have this many returning starters, so I guess they'll be good. Well, that kind of goes out the window when everyone has all of their starters returning, with the exception of what, Alabama and Clemson? Like, everybody else has all their starters returning. So how do you grade against that metric when it's the same story for everybody?
1: Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Notre Dame and Oregon as two teams that you think can kind of crash that top five that's uh kind of being created between alabama clemson ohio state georgia and oklahoma is there another team that you like other than that who you think can reach the college football playoff whether it's one of those teams like north carolina iowa state maybe even A&M.
2: yeah i was gonna say I, you, you hit the two i was gonna say unc and iowa state i think they're interesting because they do have a quarterback, right? We do know what their quarterback situation looks like. We do know that we like Brock Purdy and we like Sam Howell. So that's a good positive to go off of. Um, questions on the defense for North Carolina are going to be the thing that could submarine them. Like, you know, hiccups are going to come, but if you're looking for, in terms of value, uh, UNC certainly is probably a team that's going to give you some good value. I think Iowa State's also in that mix, especially because Iowa State is, I mean, are they the... Are they the new bell cow for the Big 12 with Oklahoma and Texas deciding to to, to up and uh, lead? Yeah, yeah. Not a sentence we thought we'd ever hear or say. So I do like them. They got Brees Hall. They got Mike Rose on the defensive side of things as well. So I think they're going to be a really good football team. They've got an opportunity to be very good. Uh, and obviously they got a, a guy who's a bonafide, you know, genius. Uh, two of them. They got Heacock and they got a um, uh, Matt Campbell. So guys who are willing to adjust, adapt, and make good decisions. I think if you're looking brand name value, I think USC is interesting because if they can get their, um, can I say shit? Yeah. <laughs> if they can get their shit together, they have a lot of talent. So. We'll see how that works uh, for them. They they've got a ton of talent. People again, we haven't known there in Keaton Slovis. We'll see what happens with their receiving group because they have some turnover at that in in that world. But this is a team that's got a lot of talent. They've recruited well the last couple of seasons after a disastrous, what, two years ago, three years ago, where they were like 70th in the country. They've started to recruit at their level again, and that's gonna be interesting and it's gonna be fun to watch. I think that I don't know, it's it's from a value like from a you know dark horse off the radar whatever standpoint wisconsin is always thrown in there so is iowa but the reality of it is is we kind of know the ceiling there and part of the ceiling talk is if you if you can get to the mountain but you can't summit it like it's all for naught you know at, at least in today's world i love watching it happen but the reality of it is is you get to that big 10 championship game and you go to India or you go wherever it is this year and you have to play Ohio state. And I mean, they're out there driving Ferraris and you've got a Toyota Celica. You got a problem.
0: <laughs> North Carolina is one of those super interesting teams to me. Cause like you said, I mean, they get Sam Howell back and Mac Brown has shown he can be a, a very capable coach for this team and their schedule seemingly is fairly good for them. I mean, they start on the road against Virginia tech, but other than that, I mean, they get Miami at home, their really toughest game is at Notre Dame on the road. Yeah. And we were talking uh, a week or two ago. I think their, their win totals nine and a half. And it seems to me that they're a team that can easily get to 10
2: wins. Yeah, they're set up for it. It's going to be very interesting to see how that works out. Because I don't know what you guys' experience is with the University of North Carolina football. But I've got a pretty intimate knowledge of it uh, as someone who played there, went there, and grew up going to those games. And <sighs> – I mean, they – and I hate to do this because we, we did it with Clemson for so long with the term Clemsoning. But UNC is also known to just – they lose weird games, uh, whether it's to NC State or it's to East Carolina. it's it, it, it They're ripe for some weird upset because you get over their – we get over – the UNC gets over its skis. So it's going to be interesting. I think 9.5 as a number feels right. I think you're correct that they should go over 10. I think realistically this is a team that should be looking at, okay – Realistically, we should be 11-1 and one and go to the ACC championship game and play Clemson and hopefully maybe get to beat Clemson and that could get us into the playoff. I think that's the reality of this situation, but every game is an adventure. And I like the staff that they have. Phil Longo, I, I, I love what they're doing offensively. I think defensively, they got to come with it. I think the two, the Fox kid, Tamari and Tom and Fox, both have an opportunity to be tremendous impact players. It's just about what you can do to impact the quarterback because the secondary, while they are good, the secondary can't cover forever. And you've got to get to the quarterback.
1: My experience with uh, betting on North Carolina football or North Carolina football is betting on teams led by Marquise Williams or Mitch Trubisky. uh, (laughs) I've seen, I've been on some of those bad losses. I think there was a game against South Carolina when I was like, I don't know, seven years ago that, they somehow <laughs> lost and uh, always will re- remember that um, back to North Carolina, though. Are you worried that losing two NFL running back Javante Williams and Michael Carter might be a little bit too much to overcome since they aren't an elite program that kind of just churns out uh blue chip
2: talent? Well, I think that, I think that the interesting part there is that running back is the position that I fear losing the most. Um, like Obviously, we'll see what they get out of, whether it's DJ Jones or Elijah Green or whoever, and it's not going to be the same as Javante and Michael Carter, but I think running back is, and we see this in the NFL, right? Running back feels like the easiest position to replace. And I'm more excited for the fact that they have a bunch of those offensive linemen back uh, out of that rotation. They'll they'll make the holes, and now it's up to these guys, the young guys, to figure out what they're going to do next. I, I think that... Um, Watching how they kind of navigate those waters are probably the more that's pro to me the that I feel less worried about that, especially with Phil Longa, who's a running guy. I don't know if anybody knows him, but, but from Sam Houston State. they ran the ball. they attacked the way they run. I love that. love what he does, and he's bringing that to UNC obviously. so I think that I think they're gonna be okay running the football. It's just gonna be different faces. it's I'm not gonna I'm not equating it to Wisconsin, but I am saying that I think they're gonna be fine running the football because the strategy, the philosophy that they bring to the table is so run-heavy, so run-focused.
0: Now, I don't want to ask this question simply because I went there, but for the Indiana Hoosiers, seemingly this season they're kind of that sexy pick that a lot of people are either liking as like the dark horse or taking their over win total, which I believe is at seven and a half. You may get mm-hmm. it at eight at some places. Um, and ge- I'm guessing for the most of the rest of the season they're not going to be. Uh, highly underdogs in the spread so what what is your take on indiana what what do you like about them do you think this is a team that has a chance to to have that dream season that they had last year and, and go this year and do it or do you think they may kind of fall back to earth
2: uh what is it it's michael Penix, right yeah yeah he's good and i think the key for them obviously you lose to ohio state by a touchdown you lose to um ole miss in the in the bowl game but the reality is i mean you played. They played, what they play, seven regular season games? Yeah. So we got to extrapolate that. we got to turn that. We're going to get double the games, right? We're essentially getting double the gamage going on. Can they sustain it? And I think that's going to be the critical element here. And it's also not just about what they can control. It's about what other people are doing. And I think that's a big part of football that not enough people discuss. They're not in charge of anything. Like – there's a humongous difference between Ohio State, who is in charge of whether they're good or bad, and what they can do, versus Indiana, who they can be as good as they want to be. But if Penn State's operating at full capacity, if Michigan's operating at full capacity, if Michigan State's operating at full capacity, now you have to like you get you go from sitting in the the front seat riding shotgun to, oh wow, I guess I'm sitting in the middle in the back. So it's, it's up to what those teams are. I didn't, and, and look, it looks like Michigan State's still going to have a rough year. I have no idea what to expect out of Michigan this season. Uh, they are oh, yeah. such a complete mystery wild card. I think Penn State might be good offensively, but I don't know what they're going to serve us defensively after some of the guys they lost to the next level. Um, so just from a divisional standpoint, like the base level, the bottom, the floor is we're going to be better than, than Maryland and Rutgers. And then you start to look at what everybody else looks like, and it was like, hey, we should be better than Michigan State, and we should be better than Michigan, and we now we're talking about Penn State, and we can we be better than Penn State? Okay, we're better than Penn State. Okay, now we're behind Ohio State, which does get you above that seven and a half wins, seven wins that you're looking at, and the goal is going to be we can't lose games, that, and I like Tom Allen, I think he's a great guy. I got a chance to talk to him uh, in an airport one time, like randomly, it was huh. really cool. Um, but can we can't, make want to run through a wall. <laughs> He, I, honestly, it was, it. it's not that it was the opposite of that. It was that he's so, he reminded me a lot of David Cutcliffe. He okay. cares. He cares a lot. Like he really cares about his kids and cares about the guys playing for him. And yes, I guess at the end of the day, that does make you want to run through the wall. Right. But it's not this rah, rah speech, speech stuff. It's like, a, there's a level of genuine care that I think is lost on a lot that, that a lot of college football coaches don't have. And so he's a guy that I'm always going to root for him. Uh, I think Brom has the same thing at Purdue where he just genuinely does care about his guys. It's not his, they're not means to an end. They're people. And we mentioned Iowa state before, but Matt Campbell feels the same way. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see, but the big key is going to be don't lose stupid games and then give yourself a chance. And I think this team's going to give itself a chance to win a lot of football games.
1: Later in the show, Ben and I are going to be previewing some of the Pac-12 teams, some of the top teams in the conference. You mentioned that you like Oregon this year. You think USC with their with Keaton Slovis and some of the recruiting getting a little bit better can maybe make a, a step in the Pac-12 South. I want your thoughts on Utah, which is a team I like a lot this year, over eight and a half wins. You get a transfer quarterback in Charlie Brewer. You avoid Washington from the Pac-12 North, and you get a home game against Oregon late in the season. What's your thoughts on Utah this year and maybe any other teams in the Pac-12?
2: I love Brewer. Um, Surprised that he left Baylor, but you know what? Go out there and do what you got to do, my man. Um, Utah, for me, Utah, TCU, um, Iowa, Wisconsin, ah, pre-Justin Fuente, Virginia Tech was probably going to be in that mix as well. Pitt is another team that that belongs, I think, in that same vein. They are mean. They're a mean football team that doesn't beat themselves, and that is critical. So much of college football is bad football, and I don't think enough people acknowledge that because they want to play into the pageantry or the, the 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 regal nature of what they like about the game, which mostly doesn't have anything to do with the actual game. It's bad football. It's people making mistakes. If I would probably say 75% of college football players would 100% get fired if they were in the NFL doing the stuff that they do on a week-to-week basis. They would be (laughs) cut and sent home. So there's that. But Wisconsin, Utah, Pitt, these guys don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. They don't have missed assignments and they don't have missed alignments. And for those of you that don't know, when you get graded in, in football, they look at where you lined up and then what you did in terms of the play. And it's not just missed tackle. It's also like bad route, bad path to the, to the football, all these things. You took a, you took a bonus step. If you take a bonus step, guess what, man? You take a false step. You're costing, you're, you're not making a tackle where you should be making it. You're giving that guy an extra two yards. We're going to mark you down for that. So Utah's a team. Um, oh, I almost called him Ken Wizenhut. It's, um, what is his name? Kevin, Kyle, um,
1: Kyle Weddingham.
2: Kyle Whittingham, yeah. I'm Ken Wizenhut. Who's that? He used to coach the 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 (laughs) Cardinals. Yeah. He's a Steelers offensive coordinator. Um Kyle Whittingham. He's a good coach. He does not accept um, again, mistakes. And I think Bronco Mendenhall is doing the same thing at, at Virginia right now, too. But no mistakes. So mistake free football is gonna help you win a lot of football games. And they're a team that is they're not explosive, but They don't mind pounding you into the ground for 60 minutes on both sides of the ball. And, yeah, you said the over-under for them is what, eight, eight and a half? Yeah, eight, eight and a half. I mean, I love it because the reality of it is you look at what they're playing. They got five games against the rest of the Pac-12 South. Arizona's a nothing at this point. Uh, UCLA is uh, who knows how good they're going to be. So let's we well I'm gonna count those as two. Colorado is still in a transitional phase, so we're gonna count that as three, and then you get to Arizona State and you get to U USC. They are so disciplined that they have an opportunity to beat the wheels off USC because USC has so much flash and dash and all this, and, and obviously they're gonna play. It's we saw it. Um, was it week one a year ago? Mississippi State taking on LSU. The air raid yeah. can be stopped if you're a disciplined defense the air raid can be stopped. And so Utah is a disciplined defense. They can slow down and stop the air raid as long as they can manufacture anywhere from 21 to 35 points a game. This is a team that can win 10 football games and find themselves back into the Pac-12 championship game, which they've been to more than once, which is crazy. So before we let you go, we have to bring
0: up Tape Don't Lie um and your guys are going to be coming out with a podcast on thursday the debut
2: of the tape don't lie podcast so
0: what uh, what can you tell us about it and i know you're very excited
2: about it too yeah i'm super excited man it's really fun to hop on with you guys too but I'm, I'm super excited for tape don't lie basically we're talking about a show where all we do is talk about football it's not even game to game it's not even you guys are handling the betting side of things on my end i'm handling like. We, I talked for 30 minutes with Max Brown, a former USC and Pitt quarterback. We talked about mesh and smash as concepts for 25-30 minutes. I talked to Roddy Jones in an episode that I thought we were going to talk about, just zone run, inside stretch, outside zone, and ended up just doing 30 minutes talking only inside zone, which was really, really fun. So It's cool. I talked to um, Craig Rowe, former Michigan um, defensive end. Talked to him about five-technique play. It's it's the stuff that I really like about football. Um, I'm not as smart as you guys. Like when it comes to like you guys, you can you can play the this and do that and hedge your bets and you know like all I know like I, I don't know who's gonna win by how much. I just know how I would attack attack certain teams and this kind of gets into the nexus of that because for me I don't care if we win 21 to 23 or 23 to 21 or if we win 50 to seven. The only thing that I'm worried about is putting the dub on the board. And we talk about the kind of the strategies that go to putting that dub on the board because it doesn't matter if you win by one point or you win by 50 points. All that matters is you win. You feel good in that locker room. Your shower's a little bit warmer, and the pizza tastes a little bit better. So that'll come out uh, on Thursday first episode, yeah. and it'll be weekly, right? Yeah, weekly. So we're going to do – we've got some evergreen stuff coming up. I think we got six in the can right now. So those are going to come out. I think we're going to do one this week, two next week, two next week. And then we're going to start as games pop up. We're going to pull out specific concepts from games and kind of highlight them and uh, ultimately, obviously, you know, pair it with our, um, our our rights packages so that we can really highlight and zero in with from a graphical or from a video, visual standpoint, zero in on, you know, what makes this play work or why this play worked. It's really cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a pilot thing that I've been thinking about for a long time. I've had. You guys know how it is, right? You have those a project that you, you want to do and you're just not in the position to do it. It's taken me, what did I say, 2008? It's taken me 13 years to get to a spot where I can finally do the thing that I think is going to be good content. So let's see where it goes. Hopefully folks uh, uh, subscribe and then they rate and review it.
0: Absolutely. And where can people find you on uh, social media too?
2: Uh, you can find me at in the Bleachers on Twitter. Uh, I'm back at social media. I'll be... Flat out honest. Like I, I'm at in the bleachers on Twitter. I'm at It'sFelder on Instagram. So those don't, don't even like. They're not even the same thing. It's a completely different name. If you right. look up one, you won't find the other one. <laughs> so and at It'sFelder on Facebook. Which so at least those two line up together. So I guess there that's go. good. But goodness gracious. Perfect. But yeah, make sure you follow uh, Tape Don't Lie. It's gonna be a fun ride.
0: There you go, Michael Felder. Appreciate you joining us. All right, we want to thank. Felder for coming on. Had a lot of fun things to say, Um, and of course uh, he loves that. uh, I think he likes that over for UNC. He
1: does, and I know you know we talked about on the Big 12 podcast kind of fading uh, middle tier stock at their highest with maybe Iowa State or buying low on a, a premium stock like Texas. I'd say that North Carolina is the example in the ACC of the middle tier stock. So I'd be a little bit cautious with North Carolina in my opinion. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about them on that Friday night. First Friday night of the season, they go to Virginia tech favored by just under a touchdown. So, um, if you maybe like North Carolina or don't like North Carolina, maybe attack that game instead of having your money tied up for three months.
0: Let's go to our PAC 12 preview. And we have done big 10. We've done sec a little bit. So now it's time to go. We'll we'll stick with the uh, out West theme here for this episode go out west to the Pac-12, look at some of the win totals. Oregon, um, I could start with Oregon if that's what we want to do. Their win total at most books that I have seen is about nine and a half. Um, And they're expected to have a pretty good season, which makes sense. Um, They're returning some pretty good talent. They're in the Pac-12 championship game last season, uh, lost in the Fiesta Bowl, um, uh, but this is, I mean, you can get them at nine too. As so I'm looking as their win total nine, nine and a half, but this saying, is a team that, nine you know, is definitely
1: ha- available. Nine's definitely available yeah. on Oregon, especially with that tough week two game that they have.
0: Yeah. Which again, I, I mean, I think at this point I would, if you can get nine, go nine. I, I don't think you should go nine and a half because I think this is a team that could definitely lose the three games this season. Um, they're having a, a, a slight quarterback competition. I think it's going to be Anthony Brown, Um, who's coming back because or who's going to be starting they're not having a ton of returning quarterback play but other than that and as Felder was saying I mean this is a team like many other college football teams it's going to have a lot of returning talent from a lot of different positions but you look at their schedule you know they start a good one at Fresno State and then they have to go on the road and play Ohio State so most likely they're going to be one and one to start the season Stony Brook Arizona at home after that So and then Stanford. So really, they could start the season four and one, five and one with Cal. UCLA on the road could be a toss up. Um, So if you give that a loss, they're at five and two. Colorado at home is six and two. Um, You have Washington, Washington State, Utah and Oregon State. So they can win the rest of those four games in Colorado. I mean, you, you have those at 10. I could easily see them going over nine. Um, and I can, if they get nine, you push and you get your money back. Um, so I think nine is that very important number. If you can get that at nine instead of nine and a half, I would go, I probably wouldn't hit nine and a half, but this is, this is an easily to see for this Oregon team to win 10 games.
1: Yeah. And with college football, win totals that half game is, is a huge deal, like the difference between not making a bet at all and, and having a strong position just because there are only 12 games and. We know what the schedules are before the season and the likely wins. And sometimes, like, Oregon has a likely loss against Ohio State in week two. But right now, they are a 10-point underdog in Columbus in the uh, early kind of game of the year lines that were put out. So definitely make sure to be getting the best number, even if you have to pay a little bit of juice on a certain side when it comes to college football. Win totals. Yeah, for me, Oregon probably to deserve Pac-12 favorite they do have a lot of talent Um, I'm just not a huge fan of Mario Cristobal when it comes to game day a good recruiter I think he's setting the culture in the the right direction I mean Oregon used to be such like a running gun team with Chip Kelly all speed and now they've transformed into a team that's tough in the trenches strong defense at least recruiting wise there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball but I think we saw like two years ago and it was different coordinators at the time, but they had Justin Herbert who ended up being the rookie of the year in the NFL and absolutely being incredible in his first season with the chargers. And it's almost like, like, what were they doing with Justin Herbert? They were right. running the ball most of the time. I mean, with Justin Herbert and the rest of the players on that team, that should have been a team that, I mean, they won the pack 12, but they, they lost a few games in the regular season. And, a team that probably should have been in, in position to make the college football playoff in the last game of the season. So there's just some, some concerns with me when it comes tomorrow crystal ball and maybe not getting the most out of some of his talent and not being aggressive enough because I mean, Justin Herbert's going to go down as one of the top quarterbacks, in the NFL this season that people are most excited to see. And that two years ago, they kind of wasted him. I feel like in Oregon makes me a little bit worried about at least crystal ball in general. I know, They have a good offensive coordinator, uh, Joe Moorhead, who was the former Mississippi State coach. He did really well as the Penn State offensive coordinator um, a few years ago. So maybe him being back at Oregon after he was there last year, but kind of throw last year out the window because of the uh, truncated season. But maybe the uh, assistant coaches that they have now can kind of get the most out of the talent that Crystal Ball has brought in.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting team. And I again, you get that nine, I think you're in pretty good shape. Uh, stay if it goes up to, you know, wait a couple of weeks. It goes up to nine and a half. I would probably stay away, but I think nine is a pretty good number for this Oregon team. All
1: right, let's go down south. USC win total eight and a half. And though odds to win the Pac-12 South, they're a slight favorite. I'm seeing plus 180, let's call it that. But you probably can get a better number and they might be a little bit Kind of on the same level as Utah and Arizona State. But slight favorites when the Pac-12 South, 4-1 to win the conference. Got another season of Clay Helton. Still there. Still yes. there. Even though uh, I know a lot of USC fans, alumni, and it just always seems like he's on the hot seat and probably why some of the recruiting classes have struggled uh, in the last few years because they don't know if he's going to be the coach when they enroll on campus. But as Felder said, they did have a pretty good bounce back recruiting class. So maybe there's some momentum for USC. I think the key is quarterback Keaton Slovis back. um, I think it's his junior year. He was their quarterback 2019, 2020. So Slovis should uh, maybe elevate this team. I know there's a lot of excitement for him when he was a freshman and he's going to be the key this year. Uh, The schedule for USC is pretty favorable, though, in the conference, at least. They always have that trip to Notre Dame or Notre Dame comes to USC. Uh, Mm -hmm. But this year they're going to Notre Dame in late October. However, the Pac-12 schedule, pretty favorable because they avoid Oregon and Washington from the north, who are pretty by far the two best teams from the north. So schedule wise, Pac-12, it's pretty strong. Utah, which is a team I like, they get in the Coliseum and Utah hasn't had much success playing at USC in their history. So kind of that game will be more of a mental, all the pressure on Utah, a mental hurdle for them. So USC a lot to, you know, maybe be encouraged by this year. Uh, Just maybe worry that some of the last few years of not recruiting as well as USC has in the past, maybe catches up to them and that they fall short of this win total.
0: Yeah, they had a top 10 recruiting class, I believe, last season, and they kind of underperformed there. But, again, I mean, you look at – and, you know, again, it's tough to say, like, these these teams have a lot of returners because most teams have a lot of returners. But they're returning (laughs) over, like, 70% on a lot of different positions, which is very important, and and especially with a coach – that is on the hot seat. He's going to have players that he knows and, and the players that know him. And that's important. And like you said, they get to the tougher teams. They have a relatively favorable schedule other than that Notre Dame game on the road. But they avoid some of the tougher teams in, in the Pac-12. So if this is any year for USC to make any bit of noise and Felder was high on them, I think this is the year just because of the schedule and because of the returning players that they have.
1: And because this will probably be Keaton Slovis' last year, and yes. I'm sure that they've recruited someone else well um, or can bring in a transfer with just how the landscape of college football is. But having the continuity there and also offensive coordinator Graham Harrell, who is always highly regarded, uh, the former Texas Tech quarterback. I remember I'm, – I'm old enough to remember him fairly well in college when they had that special season at Texas Tech. Uh, so he's the offensive coordinator there, so um, that kind of partnership I think is going to have to carry USC this season. And Slovis will probably leave, and Graham Harrell will probably eventually go to a, a bigger job. And uh, I think Clay Helton is really relying on those two to buy him another year in LA. Go
0: sure, up a bit north, the Pacific yeah, let's Northwest north. to Washington. Go back
1: north. Let's go back north. <laughs>
0: Going up to uh, going up to Washington, Jimmy Lake, yeah. second season with the Huskies. I mean, it's kind of like his first and a half season. He coached four games last year because of the COVID issues in Washington with the Huskies. And so this is his first full season. He gets a first full off season. He gets the spring ball. He gets fall training camp. He gets everything. They have a good start to the season with Montana. And then second game, they get thrown into the gauntlet. They have to go to Michigan, go to Ann Arbor, play on the road. And I know Felder talked about he was, you know, what what is Michigan this year? They don't even know who's going to be their quarterback. They did whole coaching changes. Um, Harbaugh is probably on the hottest seat he has ever been as their head coach. So you you really don't know what you're going to get from Michigan, but that is even playing on the road in front of 100,000 Michigan fans. That's a tough second game of the season for this Huskies team. Uh, But other than that, Nate, you look at the schedule and – for the most part, it's pretty favorable. They have really bad teams on the road, Arizona and Stanford. They play Oregon State on the road. And then some of the better teams in the Pac-12, they get at home. They have Oregon, Arizona State, UCLA. All of them are at home. And that is going to be hugely to their benefit. Um, and, you know, them have state from season. But returning-wise, they have even more returners than what we were just talking about with USC. They get... Almost all of their passing and rushing returning. Their offensive line is going to be really good. 100% of their offensive line is returning. Um, so they're going to be able to protect their quarterback. They're going to be able to have a good defense on the other side of the ball. And I mean, you look at their win total eight and a half, heavy juice on the over. But I think it's possible that they get this over overnight. I think they can win nine games. If you chalk up that Michigan game as a loss, they should still start their season out four and one. Um, and that UCLA game at home can be a toss up. You can make that four and two, but you have Arizona and Stanford at six and two, you get seven maybe with Arizona state. And then you finish out with Colorado and Washington state, which are two very winnable games. And there's your nine right there. So there's going to be a lot that has to happen right for Washington, but especially with the tough season that they had last year, second year head coach, they get a lot of returners. I I like the over for this Washington team.
1: Yeah. And my thing I'm going to add with Washington, because it's a team that I'm just not really sure of because they have a new, basically a new coach in Jimmy Lake and taking over for Chris Peterson, who I think elevated the program, uh, at least to expectation. They made a college football playoff and, he recruited well there's a lot of washington players that you're seeing now in the nfl because of the player that what peterson was able to do in recruiting so maybe those there's still enough holdovers from his his time in seattle that they could still put out a good a good roster uh but they do avoid usc and utah from the pac-12 south who are yep. projected to be two of the top three teams and as you mentioned the other two teams in the pac-12 south that are very good they get in seattle so uh sets up very nicely for Washington. That was when I was doing my schedule analysis early in the summer. I thought that Washington had a very favorable path. And I believe they are uh it's about a pick 'em against Michigan week two in the in the look ahead line. I know I saw some places had Michigan uh as a favorite by one and then some places even had Washington as a favorite. So wonder how kind of the week one results go for both teams and see where that line moves. Um, can kind of see myself betting on whoever the underdog is because they probably are pretty evenly matched teams with Washington being better, but Michigan getting that home field advantage.
0: All right. Is there any other teams we want to hit on? Pac-12, yeah. some quick hits?
1: So yeah, I, I know we I can got confirmation with Felder, but a bet I like Utah over eight and a half wins. Um, Could even go Pac-12 South to win the division, plus 230, plus 500 to win the Pac-12, all things I might add, but eight and a half over minus 120 is in on Utah. Uh, Charlie Brewer, the transfer quarterback who Felder said was very, talked pretty highly about saying that, um, you know, surprising he left Baylor. He was surprised at least he left Baylor, but there was a head coaching turnover with Dave Aranda after. Matt Rule left a year ago, so uh, pretty impressive, though, that he picked Utah out of all teams. He probably had a, could have picked a lot of different schools, and he mentioned how Utah's is a tough team to play against, and they're not going to make mistakes. They're going to be strong on the line of scrim- scrimmage, and I'll add to that they have a very strong home field advantage because they play in elevation, and it gets very loud at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Uh, the schedule sets up well. I think I mentioned that with Felder, that they just avoid Washington from the Pac-12 North, and then mm-hmm. they do play Oregon, but it's the second-to-last regular season game. So it should be a, could be a cold. I know Oregon's used to the cold, but it could be a cold, raucous atmosphere, maybe a little snow mixed in in Salt Lake. So if Utah is what we think they will be, they could enter that game maybe at 9-1 uh, and one or something and have a really good shot. I mean, they would go over, over the win total before then. So I just like the schedule for Utah. like the transfer quarterback. And the and Kyle Whittingham te- teams are always uh, kind of better than what their recruiting stars uh, indicate. So I like Utah a lot this year. Uh, bet them, as I said, over their win total. And probably before the season, we'll fire off some stuff to win the division and to win the conference.
0: UCLA, Chip Kelly squad. Yeah. Um, Big getting a lot of returners. Him. Big year for yeah. him. <laughs> Yeah. I mean you're talking about a guy who's hot seated and that's Chip Kelly. And you know, they get a ton of returners and, and they get um their quarterback back, I believe. Dorian Thompson Robinson is returning. Yeah. Um the linemen are gonna be pretty strong for UCLA this season. And they have a tough schedule. If you if you just look at the teams on the schedule, it's relatively tough. LSU, they have Oregon, but you look at where they play those teams, a lot of them at home, they get LSU and Pasadena. They get Oregon and Pasadena. Uh, they get a team like Colorado, which can be a tough team on the road. You have to go to Colorado. It could be one of those trap games. They get them in Pasadena. So they have a lot of the tougher teams at home. Um, they have to go to USC, which, you know, that's both, that's LA, but they play USC, which is always tough. That LSU game, even though it is in Pasadena, that'll be tough. Um, so, their win total, I believe, the places I were looking at, Nate, I don't know if you saw it any different. I see them at seven at most places. The over is slightly favored, a minus 115, and the over seven. Um, but, again, I, I think this is a team that I can see getting the over, um, getting the over seven, or at the very least getting seven wins. So I think you're okay without having that hook there, if, if you can bet them at seven. But, you know, they have a very cushy middle-of-the-season schedule. Stanford, Arizona state at home, Arizona, Washington Um, at Washington could be a tough game for them for sure. But they have those, you know, four cushy games with Fresno state as well. So, I mean, I I think this is a seven win season is easily doable for UCLA and and even saying, you know, they're going to win eight, maybe even nine games. I don't think is out of the question.
1: Yeah. I'm really excited for that game against LSU, not just to see what UCLA is, but also to see what LSU looks like after they had a pretty disastrous 2020 fresh off winning a national title. So I know everyone's going to talk about Georgia Clemson week one, maybe Alabama, Miami, but that game in Pasadena, I, I would gonna you know, probably want to watch live just, or at least on replay the next day, just to kind of see what those teams are about. Cause that seems like he'll be a good measuring stick for both teams, especially because if you look at the week zero schedule, which is August 28th, uh, there's just a few games and, UCLA is included on it. They host Hawaii, Fair by 17. So maybe a good maybe a good spot to bet on UCLA with a game under their belt against an LSU team that has a lot of unpredictability as they will be going taking a pretty far trip out west, especially for LSU standards.
0: All right. Did you want to hit on golf now, or is there any? Yeah, other Pac-12 before I go team? to
1: golf. Yeah. So Arizona State is up there in the Pac-12 South, but they have some recruiting violations that are under investigation so a lot of questions with herm edwards team at arizona state yeah um so that's kind of like a team i'd want to wait and see on like they have the talent there and i know last year was a rough season for them just in general and you know i think mean, with every pac-12 team it was probably a rough season and they didn't really you know meet any expectations but i mean they played uh i think they played three games last year and they were one and two. So. I uh, can't really read too much into Arizona State, but we'll see what happens this year. And then a team I just wanted to especially shout out, Stanford, who, I mean, it, if you followed college football the last 10 years, you're thinking, oh, Stanford, what's their win total going to be? Seven and a half, eight, maybe eight and a half? No, their win total this year is four. And it's actually been <laughs> bet up. It opened three and a half, and now it's four. And it, I think it's all really schedule um, indicative or schedule based. Uh, because they they're a team that always schedules pretty tough non-conference they don't play any group of five teams they start the season in arlington a, a 11 a.m local kickoff so 9 a.m for stanford against kansas state which usually an arlington game is like kind of one of the bigger games of the weekend but i'm not sure if maybe that was scheduled a long time ago when we thought these programs would be better than what they're expected to be this season but they get USC in week two uh, in LA, and then even though they're the worst team in the SEC, they still have to go to Vanderbilt and and play um, go to Nashville to play Vanderbilt in week three, and then they close the season with Notre Dame. So they have twelve games against all teams in the Power Five plus Notre Dame, uh, and then if you look at their division across division schedule of Stanford. They have to play USC. They have to play Arizona State. They have to play Utah and UCLA. So the teams in the Pac-12 South are projected to be the worst this year, Colorado and Arizona. And I think no one would disagree with that based on win totals and just talent on the roster and the coaching situations. Uh, Those are the four, they're not playing the two easiest teams from the Pac-12 South. So this is a kind of disastrous schedule, but maybe there's a chance to buy low on Stanford who just need to win four games for you to push. And probably why there was money right away on stanford over three and a half because even though the schedule is hard there's still a team that uh under david shaw have been pretty consistent and have had some pretty high ceiling years but the floor is usually never that low so maybe this is the the lowest you can get stanford it's not for me especially since it moved a half game which is very valuable in college football but just wanted to bring up why stanford might struggle this year Um, not just because they're not as good as they used to be, but that schedule is pretty brutal.
0: All right. Before we get to best bets, you wanted to hit for a second on golf.
1: Yeah, just a few things. It's the last event of the uh, regular season. The FedEx Cup playoffs start next week. So you need to be in the top 125 in the FedEx Cup standings, which has been accumulated throughout this season to be able to qualify for the playoff. And if you look at the top 25, and some of the players around that bubble, there's players like Ricky Fowler, Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, pedigreed players who probably wouldn't play this event, the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro, North Carolina, but they're playing this week because they want to get into the playoff and there's a lot of money involved in the FedEx Cup playoff. So maybe there's some pressure on some of those players, but at the same time, you um, like taking out the outright market and and not just to 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 win but you can bet matchups on these players so i would be looking to target matchups with fowler fleetwood rose if you can find it find them against a player who you might want to fade a team a player that's securely in the fedex cup playoff or who's played a lot of golf recently and there's been a lot of travel in terms of golf there was an open championship in england just under a month ago there was the olympics so maybe there's some players who are a little burnt out as they head to Greensboro, North Carolina for a, a field that's not too, not too bad. Uh, my pick to win is Wills Alatoris. He needs to win to get in the playoff because he's not a full-time member on the PGA tour. Finished eighth last week at the WGC in Memphis. Um, and he had a pretty strong iron game. And it was the first time we saw him since he withdrew from the open championship with an injury. So Uh, it's one of the weeks where I'm going to come in with one bet going into the week, but I expect to make many more. So follow, or at least a few more. So follow me at Nate Jacobson, Nate Jacobson one on Twitter. And I will share any picks I have for the golf this weekend um, as it's the Wyndham championship the week before the FedEx cup playoff start. And I also will have a best bet um, from the full tournament matchup because I didn't want to just give one NFL preseason game as a, a, is a best bet. There was another one that caught my eye that I think is uh kind of oddly priced. Let's just say that.
0: <laughs> All right. So might as well. Let's get into best bets. And we have some NFL preseason best bets, golf best bets, MLB best bets. Professor Nate, you can start.
1: Yeah, so I just mentioned golf, so I'll just go off the top and say my golf best bet. I'm gonna take Robert. McIntyre, a Scott in his full tournament matchup against Adam Scott. So yeah, I guess this Adam Scott uh, fade, uh, who is, I mentioned was on the bubble for the, uh, for the FedEx Cup playoff. He's just inside the top 125, but he's just not playing well right now. And McIntyre, who is not in the FedEx cup standings right now is trying to get uh into the playoff because he got a special temporary exemption to play this event he was able to play a lot of events on the pga tour based on his world ranking but he needed an invite to play in this event so i think he's going to take the make the most of this opportunity maybe not win and that's why i'm going to bet him in a full tournament matchup to finish very well and better than adam scott and then hopefully for him he'll make the fedex cup playoff next week starting with the northern trust my second best bet will be Saturday night NFL preseason going to take the Jets minus one against the New York Giants Mention how I like betting on first year head coaches, especially if they're at home. The Jets are technically the away team, but they're in their home stadium because they're playing the Giants. I think Robert Salah seems like kind of that motivational guy who's going to want to get off on the right foot and win a game, his first preseason game and his first game as the head coach on the sideline. And also, if you're just kind of following what's going on with the New York Giants, it's kind of a disaster. There was a fight last week at training camp, and Joe Judge, their head coach, was very upset from the reports. Uh, Three veterans have retired from the Giants or retired from the league because they weren't big fans of Joe Judge's training camp, I guess. So I think the Giants are kind of in a tough place right now. I mentioned earlier in in the beginning of the episode, if you want to go back, some teams that are in tough spots like the Vikings um, specifically, but that line has moved a lot. Uh, So the Giants are the team I'm going to pick on here. I still think that the number is fine at Jets minus one. Would not play it too much up just because one is important in NFL preseason? But the Jets are my pick for Saturday night. Hopefully Robert Salah starts off his head coaching tenure on the right foot in New York.
0: So – for me, I have two NFL preseason bets. Um, So if we're talking about degenerate activity, which, Nate, you hate, this is not degenerate activity. This is fully researched, capable NFL preseason bets. Number one, Eagles minus one. I know, Nate, you talked about the first season head coaches. Eagles are at home. They The coaches want to prove, you know, they can coach teams that can win. Minus one against the Steelers. I like the Eagles, that minus one, that crucial minus one number in preseason football, too. And I think you're agreeing with this one. Nate, are you going to be tailing?
1: I will be tailing. Uh, It kind of fits the what I'm looking for. Nick Sirianni, first year head coach in Philly, a market sports market where there's a lot of pressure. I'm sure he has felt the heat, even though he's never coached an NFL game. And the Jalen Hurts practice reports aren't games, So I'm sure Jalen Hurts for even if it's a limited time, is going to want to prove that he can be an NFL starting quarterback.
0: All right. So we have a bet tail bears. I have to go with the bears minus three and a half first preseason game at home. Nagy, not a new head coach, but they got a new quarterback in Justin Fields. And I have a feeling, especially with the veterans, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles in that quarterback room, they're going to be wanting to sit them. So I think we're going to probably see a good amount of Justin Fields in this game, who. We know at this point it's a pretty good quarterback. We saw him slinging some sidearm touchdown passes in training camp. So I like the Bears minus three and a half against the Dolphins at home in their first preseason game on Saturday. And then I'm going to go with the baseball bet. And the bet that I have, I think the number that I saw, if I have this right, 10 of the last 11 games between the Rays and Red Sox at Finway have gone over. So I'm going to take the under in the Rays and Red Sox game uh, tonight. Uh, I think it's a 10 and a half. They hit the over nine and a half in their last game. And I think the Rays have hit the over in four straight games. So I think it's just time to to fade, uh, to fade the overs and go under 10 and a half for the Rays and the Red Sox tonight. And those are my best bets, Nate.
1: Yeah, I will say the Bears probably have one of the stronger quarterback rotations with two veterans and Dalton and Foles. And then you would think with three preseason games, they would sh- get enough time for Justin Field to kind of. Prep him to possibly take over at some point in the regular season. So, even though it's a little bit of a bigger number, maybe a little bigger than I'd want to lay in preseason, especially if a total at 35 yeah. and a half, I think the Bears, the idea that Bears will try and give effort and play well offensively makes a lot of sense.
0: And if you're feeling, if you don't like those minus three and a half, it's definitely a tough number, especially like you said in preseason. Money line for the Bears minus 170. Uh,
1: I'll say this: don't don't bet money lines, uh, especially money line favorites in preseason, because even though we think we we know what's going to happen, uh, there's still a lot of variance, and there's a chance that a team can come back when the backups are in. So. Laying minus 170 NFL preseason is not something I'd recommend. Either take the spread or pass the game.
0: I don't know. Bears seem like a pretty good lock in this one. Yeah. Uh, they're also lay, minus lay three and a half then. <laughs> they are um, in a lot of places. They're minus three, too. I think the, the minus three and a half that I saw is plus 105. Okay. So which makes sense, especially because it is preseason. So if you can find a minus three, I think you can get them at minus 110. So that might be uh, the smart move to just have them at a field goal favorite in that uh, home opener preseason game, but I think that'll do it sharp lessons this week. We appreciate everyone listening. We want to thank Michael Felder for coming on talking college football with us as well. Um, We'll have an episode next week. We're going to be, what are we going to be previewing next week, Nate? What, what's the, what's the theme
1: next week? We're going back South. We're going to do NFC South. But we're also going to revisit the SEC. I know we did some SEC a few weeks ago, but now we kind of have figured out a better format to do these conference previews and stuff has changed probably in the last few weeks. So definitely going to take a deeper dive in some of the top teams in the Southeast conference. All
0: right. We'll get that sweet tea ready for next week as we go all, uh, all Southern teams for NFL and college football. But for now, good luck on the bets. Good luck on your best bets. And we'll see you all next week.